You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Hey, Red Door Church, it was great to be with you last week as we celebrated Good Friday and Easter Sunday online together. This week, we're back into our series looking at the way of Jesus, these habits of grace that we hope to implement into our lives so that we can be with Jesus and live like Jesus and to do what he did. And so today we're going to look at this topic of scripture. And all through this series, we have been really careful to push back against the idea that these practices exist to enable us to earn God's favor. Um, we've noted that while these things require effort, they, they aren't for the purpose of earning. And so I think when it comes to this topic of reading the Bible, this is where we're in real danger of falling into that kind of mindset, to think that either that, that reading the Bible is something that's on a to-do list that I have to tick off each day, or that I need to read the Bible because that's just something that good Christians do, or something that will in, earn me God's favor or ingratiate me in some way towards Him. But rather, what I want us to do is bring us back to this idea that these habits of grace, these practices of Jesus, are things that we involve ourselves in, not because they earn God's favor, but because simply because we are Jesus' disciples. We are his apprentices. And as disciples, our whole purpose in life is to live as he lived, to follow him. And so it is when we come to the reading of God's word. I love the uh, this little book that was written by a, a UK pastor named Andrew Wilson. It's called Unbreakable, What the Son of God Said About the Word of God. And in it, he makes this point. He says, Ultimately, our trust in the Bible stems from our trust in Jesus Christ. I don't trust in Jesus because I trust the Bible. I trust the Bible because I trust in Jesus. I love him and I've decided to follow him. So if he talks and acts as if the Bible is trustworthy, authoritative, good, helpful and powerful, I will too. And so we read the Bible for the same reason that we pray or practice silence and solitude or these other habits that we've talked about because Jesus practiced these things and we are his followers. Our purpose is to be with Jesus and like Jesus and to do what he did. So Jesus himself was a student of the scriptures, but he was also the subject of the scriptures, not just a, a student of them, but the, the subject of them. And you'll see this throughout his ministry. He will do something or say something and then say that he has fulfilled the scriptures in that doing or saying, that Jesus was the fulfillment of the scriptures. You see this really, really um, obviously in his post-resurrection ministry uh, so Good Friday, Easter Sunday, between his resurrection and his ascension, he is um, at large for 40 days instructing his disciples. And Luke records this um, incident where he uh, comes together with a couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus after he's been raised from the dead. And they don't recognize him at the time, but he says in Luke 
24, verse 27, Luke says, Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So Jesus saw himself as the central subject of the scriptures. My friend Peter Adam has written extensively on the Bible and on biblical spirituality. And one of his books is Written for Us. Receiving God's words in the Bible. And here's how he summarizes what the Bible is. He says, The Bible is God's words written for his people by his spirit about his son. Say it again. The Bible is God's words written for his people by his spirit about his son. Son, And so Jesus is both a student of the scriptures and the subject of the scriptures. This is really important for us to recognize and realize because because of our cultural heritage, we come to most things seeing ourselves as central in those things, seeing ourselves as the main subject or the main character in those things. So we are prone to come to the Bible looking to find ourselves. But we're not the main subject of the scriptures. God is. And so we need to be aware of that as we come to read the Bible. Now, I've been ordained for 12 years now, which um, means that I've officiated a lot of weddings during that time. And uh, the weird thing about officiating weddings is that um, for for those couples that I've been friends with, had relationships with, I'll often go to their houses and see myself in photos on their walls because, you know, I'll be standing there at the front of the church or the front of the park or whatever um, and the couple will be in front of me and everyone takes photos when they put the rings on one another's fingers or when they have their first kiss and so I'll be there in the background in these photos. I'll give you an example from 2013. This is... Uh, Jimmy and Sarah out in Kangaroo Ground and there I am in the background. Now, I look at this photo and I can see myself kind of blurry in the background there. But I know for sure that I'm not the main subject of this photo. The main subject is the couple being married. The main subject is Jimmy and Sarah and I'm a peripheral character in that photo. And the same is true about the scriptures when we come to the bible yes we will find ourselves there and we're going to talk about ways in which we can imagine ourselves into the passage or ways that we can find application for our lives but we need to understand that the main subject is god revealed in jesus So with that in mind, I want to talk about three principles for reading the Bible well, moving from the kind of the theoretical to the practical now. Three principles for reading the Bible well. Number one, we need to read the Bible slowly. I think some of us are prone to reading the Bible fast when we have gone back to thinking about it as something that we need to tick off our to-do list. Right, I'm reading the Bible because I know I'm meant to, and so I view Bible reading how I view everything else that's on my to-do list. Right, I just need to get it done as quickly as possible, with the most amount of productivity as possible, and that's no way to read the Bible 
well. In order to read the Bible well, we need to slow down. Now, there are parts of the scriptures that you might need to read quickly. I can think of whole chapters in the book of Numbers that you just I've just needed to burn through, right? Because it's a whole list of names or numbers or weights or measurements or something, and it's just you've just got to get past it. Um, but most of the scriptures, most of what you read, needs to be read slowly. This is not just something that we need to tick off a list. This is something that we need to give ourselves to. Not reading mindlessly, which is what happens when you try to read fast, but to read mindfully, which is only possible when you slow down. One of the tools that I've been experimenting with only recently is a method of Bible reading which was um, which was discovered or pop- popularized by Ignatius of Loyola. So he, he spoke to his followers and encouraged them to read the Bible imaginatively, to put oneself in the passage and to use one's imaginative senses of taste and touch and smell and sound and hearing and, uh, and the other one that I've forgotten, <laughs> um, and, and to experience the passage through those senses, to imagine oneself in the passage. So I did this today. I'm reading through the Gospels, just one chapter each day from Matthew through to John. And so I got to Matthew 17 today, and I put myself into the passage. I made sure I read it a couple of times to get familiar with it, and then I imagined myself on the mountain of transfiguration, standing there with Peter and James and John, seeing Jesus revealed in his glory, trying to imagine experiencing that incredible event through my senses. And then moving down the mountain, I put myself in the position of the father who comes to Jesus and and begs him to deliver his son of the demon that is possessing him. What would that be like? What would it be like to see your son delivered? What What are the emotions that you would experience having been through that? And then to put myself in the place of Peter as Jesus tells him to go and fish and the first fish he catches is going to have a coin in its mouth that he will then use to pay taxes, the taxes that are due. What, what would that experience be like? Right. So to put ourselves into the passage. And that, in order to do that, requires a lot of imagination. It requires a lot of mindful reading and therefore it requires a slowing down. All right. So that's one tool that we can use to enable us to better experience the Bible the way that I think God wants us to experience it, which is rich and involving. Mike Cosper has a little book, uh, which I'm really enjoying reading, called Recapturing the Wonder. And he, ex- he, he kind of explains this method of Bible study in that book. And I just want to read a quote to you from that. He says, Scripture is living. It's meant to take root, growing and flowering in the heart and mind. Don't just know what the story says, know how it feels. Explore what the characters in the story must have experienced when they encountered Jesus or saw the seas part or watched Lazarus stroll out of an empty tomb picking gauze off his newly animated skin. 
The point is not to turn the Bible into a choose-your-own-adventure story, but to let the Bible speak with a richness we often deny it. So there's one way of reading the Bible slowly. Second principle is to read the Bible prayerfully. This is another way of slowing down and to engage ourselves mindfully with the text. But here the purpose is to give voice to our prayer life. I think for many of us, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago in in the Sermon on Prayer, many of us struggle to find the words to speak in our prayers. We find ourselves moving into dead ends or feeling like we don't have the right words to, to articulate the things that we're feeling and saying to God. And we saw that the beautiful thing is that in those periods of weakness in our prayers, the Spirit helps us by speaking for us and translating our prayers so that they, as Spurgeon says, arrive to God in the revised version. But one way we can help ourselves when we feel like we don't have the words to pray is to use Scripture and pray it back to God. So again, this is something I'm experimenting, experimenting with at the moment. I'm using uh, Donald Whitney's uh, method called Psalm of the Day. Let me explain it to you. Psalm of the Day is where we take whatever today's date is. So for example, today's date, Sunday, April 19. And we read five Psalms, beginning with the date, the 19th, so that would be Psalm 19, and then adding 30 until you get five Psalms. So Psalm 19 plus 30 is Psalm 49 plus 30, Psalm 79, then Psalm 109 and Psalm 139. That gives me five Psalms for the day. Now I read through each one of those. And then I choose one to pray through, letting the poem give voice to my prayers. So, for example, today, Psalm 19, um, if I choose Psalm 19 to be the, the psalm that I'm praying through, I'll just take it maybe a line at a time and and pray through that. So Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And so I can use that as a prayer. Lord, please help me to see the, 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 your glory in your creation. Please give me ears that are able to hear your beautiful creation proclaim your handiwork, proclaim your creativity please reveal yourself to me in your creation and I move through the rest of the psalm allowing it to be to formulate the substance of my prayers that's how you can pray or that's how you can read the bible prayerfully okay so read slowly read prayerfully and third read deeply Again, this is a way of reading scripture that will force us to slow down and invest in the time that God has given us to hear his words. In order to do this uh, method of Bible study, which I've now been doing for 20 years and I've got enormous amounts out of, what you need to do is get yourself a notebook and a pen. 
I like a four pen because I can use a different color for each letter of the acronym. Uh, but whatever, just get a pen and a journal, a book of some kind, a diary or whatever. Uh, please don't use a phone or a computer. Handwriting is part of the, the, the key to success when it comes to this method. So get yourself a journal, get yourself a pen, find yourself a place that's not too distracting. You'll need to turn your phone off. You need to go to a place like a a cafe that's not too loud or a place in your house or a place out in nature that is free of distraction. And then sit down and take the passage that you want to study. For me, I found the best way to do this is to find a Bible reading plan that enables you to read the Bible in a year. Normally they'll divide it up so that each day you have an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, and maybe a psalm or a proverb, something like that. And once you've read through those passages, choose one that's spoken to you the most out of the passages you've read, and then use that as the subject of your study. Then, with that passage in front of you, you can enter into the SOAP method of Bible study. I'll explain that to you now. So, in SOAP, the S stands for Scripture. And you want to begin by handwriting the passage that you want to study out in your journal. Make sure you handwrite it because... The discipline of actually writing out the text will greatly increase your memory of the text. This is key. So write an S and then write the passage out in full. Then you move on from Scripture to O, which stands for observation. So here you need to try and get at the original intention of the author. You need to ask questions like, what is the context? What is the genre? What is, who was who is the original audience? What are the major themes or events in the passage? And then write that out in a paragraph. These are your observations of the text. You move from S and O onto A. A stands for application. This is where you're applying it to your personal life so what is the spirit saying to me in this text how can i how can i apply what i just read what changes do i need to make is there an action i need to take these are all issues of application and so you write them out as your third paragraph and then you move from s and o and a to p which stands for prayer you need to pray God's words back to him. If he's revealed something to you, then pray for clarity. Pray that he would make that super clear what he's revealed. If you've been given a prophetic word, then write it out. If you've been given a word of edification or encouragement for someone, write down who that is for and make sure you follow through with sharing it. If you've been convicted of sin, confess and repent that sin. And and at every opportunity, every day that you do this, finish with prayers of thanksgiving and write them out that way you will have recorded a journal not just of the scripture that you're studying your observations of it your application for life but also your prayers which you can then move you can look back through over the years and see the way that god has been hearing and answering those prayers this is a beautiful and precious method of bible study now Obviously, you might be hearing all this and say, well, that is a far cry from the reading one or two passages as quickly as I can, you know, on my way to work each day or or whatever. 
this does require more investment. It does require more effort. It does require more work. But as John Piper says, the difference between reading something at a cursory level, just reading it on the surface, and reading something to dig deeply into it is the, the same as the difference between raking and digging. Raking is easy, but all you get is leaves. Digging is hard, but that's how you get diamonds. And so it is with our Bible study. Digging deep requires more work, but that's where the diamonds are. So just to bring it full circle, let me encourage you, as you move into this week, set yourself some goals, even if they're small ones, to start out with five or ten minutes of Bible reading each day and to take the time, make the investment to read slowly, to read prayerfully, to read deeply. Remember, we're doing this not because it's something that earns ourselves favor with God or doing it because it's something, some kind of Christian maturity checklist that we need to attend to each day. We're doing it because Jesus himself was a student of the word of God. And so let me encourage you as you move into this week to apply yourself to this habit of grace. Now, as we go, let me take up God's word his precious revelation of himself. And let me read this uh, benediction from the book of Hebrews over us as a word of blessing. Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.